Hello, everybody. It's Dr. Uh, give me just a moment and we'll be ready to get started. Man, I'm excited. It is Wealth Building Wednesday. Uh, it's been a minute since I've been able to sit down and really chop it up the way I want to with you guys. A lot's going on with Rick Wallace Enterprises and the subsidiaries, which I'm excited about. Uh, it takes a lot of time, energy, and effort. Plus, there's a lot of community work that I'm involved in. Some pretty intensive stuff. So, it's had me, but I'm I'm here and I'm happy to share with you today. So I hope that you take what I share with you and you uh, really, truly uh, take it and apply it. One of the things is we have all this content on the internet. We have so many tools, so much information, and sometimes it can be information overloaded. It can be too processing, so we sort of just pass by it. Uh, but I'm telling you, whatever is out there, there's something out there that you can tap into that can literally change your lives. Yes, I believe in uh, divine guidance. I am number one in alignment with God and God's purpose for my life. But I also understand that I have a personal responsibility to the designer, to the creator, to God, to optimize my potential. And that it requires me to invest in myself. It requires me to be diligently in pursuit a better version of myself and it is not for me to sit around and think god's just going to restore it upon me god gifted me with my purpose he gifted me with a talent and skill he gifted me with uh, an ability to expand upon my capacity the diligence and it's my responsibility to do that so what i am challenging everyone to do is find your space in this world that's a responsibility you have to the creator no matter what faith you claim i'm not here to tell you how you should engage god i am telling you that you do have a responsibility to your purpose to your design you should be living life at the level of your design if you're not there you should be striving to get there if you're not making the impact that you should in this world first of all and foremost in your home in your marriage in your family in your community, in the subsectors of your existence, which include race, unfortunately, but it does, you should be making an impact. And then overall, as an occupant of this planet, you should be making an impact. So I'm going to challenge each of you to do that. Before I get started, before I get started, I want to let you guys know that you've heard me say for the last uh, two years that if you don't have at least two independent streams of income that you control, then you need to be creating multiple streams of income. And right now, one of the easiest ways to do that is through the building of online revenue streams. I've been doing it for 13 plus years online. When I had a major setback in business due to the recession, uh, back in 2006, 7, 8, 9, um, watching that thing happen, when I had to rebuild, I decided I was going to rebuild online. So I started rebuilding my presence and expanding my reach. The one thing I knew the Internet would give me access to is people outside of my geographical uh, uh, spectrum. And it opened up so many doors. I now have clients in uh, several cities in Australia, in Sweden, in the U.K., uh, in a couple of countries in Africa, including South uh, uh, South Africa and Kenya, um, 
all up in, in the Caribbean, Canada, and obviously the uh, continental US. So it all started with this and it started with this plan and I'm teaching this plan in this online course. Uh, the course is there, but this is what I'm going to do today. In addition to that course, which in and of itself is immensely valuable because you are literally creating revenue streams. It pays for itself. Uh, it's literally what I've done. And you're like, well, how do I know it work? I've been here. I've been here. Uh, this is how I eat. This is how I feed my family. This is how I support my work in the community. This is how I do it. So um, that's all I can tell you. You have to put in the work. There's nothing easy about it. But it's with consistent work and commitment, I promise you, you will see results. People are out there doing it every day. There are 11, 8, 9, 11-year-old 11 kids making millions of dollars on YouTube, interview, I mean, reviewing toys. You find a space, you create a space, and you work it. Uh, sometimes people hit that flash in the pan, that lightning in a bottle, where they line up, they do something, it goes viral, and they're the most popular people in the world, and they never have to worry about anything in the game. But the vast majority of us are going to have to be consistent and work something we're passionate about, become experts at it, and hang our hat there, and literally make our impact and imprint on the world. And that's what I try to teach people how to do. I've been very successful at it over the last 30 years. Uh, so... Again, I'm offering you that, but I'm also going to offer you, being that this is Wealth Building Wednesday for the next day, I'm going to offer you free admission into this $2,600 18-month course. So if you get the uh, the seven-day online business launch course, you will get the Path to Generational course. This is an 18-month nationally accredited course that also uh, comes with a certification. So it is an unbelievable course. It's not my mind. I'm, I, and I'm, I've been very honest about that. It took me 10 years to do the research, to talk to some of the major hitters, the people that when you talk about money, you talk about them. I chased them down. It wasn't easy. You don't just call and say, can I talk to and talk to them? But you do sit up and you are consistent. And then that alone goes to the point when you're consistent in something, when you are 100% committed to happening, all but about four of the people that I tried to reach out to eventually responded and gave me an audience. Um, now, you got to understand that while pursuing them, it took time and it also gave me a chance to build my presence on an international level. While I wasn't on their level as far as being renowned, I, I could be researched or Googled and they could see what I was doing and know, OK, he's got a platform. He may be able to share it with people. And that's all they wanted. Hey, share it with people. And it's crazy about the people that are at the top aren't the people that are hiding the secrets, uh, at least from the people that I, I dealt with. But I created that. This course is regularly priced at $2,600. You can get it free for today. If you sign up today, you get it for free. Uh, that's that. Let's move on to what I want to talk to you about. Uh, one of the unique unique things, there are these themes that when I talk to each of these people are the ones I couldn't reach. I researched them. I read their books. I watched their interviews. I look for consistencies in messages, consistencies in ideologies. I researched those consistencies to see how they played out over time. And when I could prove it up, I put it in the course. And here's the thing that I can tell you across the board asymmetric risk reward. Didn't know what it was when I first heard the word, but here's what it is. 
Symmetric risk reward is basically you put something out, you're expecting the same back in. Most people have been given the idea that if you're going to be an investor, you probably put in 70, you get back 100. So you got a 30 dollar increase on your 70 dollar investment and that's what people, you put in a lot you get a little back and so that's what the major players think completely opposite asymmetric means that i plan on investing a little and getting back more than i bet in other words they don't enter investments that don't have a reward promise greater than the risk and here's the thing with investments one of the things that i try to get everybody to understand because a lot of people don't get it and so when when they experience a loss, they get upset and they fall back. It's asymmetric risk reward, meaning that there is a risk, but the reward should always outweigh the risk. Now, you never hear anybody going around, man, I'm looking to put put a lot of money in to get a little money back. You never hear it, but it's a common practice. It's a common idea. It's a common tolerance. We tolerate poor investment because we don't understand it. These guys have this, this idea that I'm going to invest $20 to get 80. So I'm going to invest 20 and I'm going to get a hundred. And so that means that I got an $80 increase. I mean, an $80 increase on that. And so that's how they look. That's asymmetric risk reward. Now imagine you do that in a diversified uh, spectrum. So you are diversifying your investments across assets. You're not hanging all your eggs in one basket. And while I'm very, 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 um, uh, passionate about getting into a compound mechanism like an index fund. You don't put all your money in that index fund. That's a very powerful and it is a proven way to grow money over a long-term period of time, systematically, consistently, roughly around 8.2 to 10% like clockwork. It's been happening over and over again. That Vanguard, uh, S&P uh, 500, clockwork. It's a long-term investment. It's not something you're going to put some in and next year you're going to be rich, but guarantee you 20 years from now, this is what you should be teaching your kids. And this is another thing that I want to get into your mindset. We can't wait till our kids are grown to try to instill something in them that they should be practicing as children. The, uh, the ability to manage whatever little bit of money that you give them, whatever little bit of money they come across, that it has meaning and purpose and it should be diversified in its distribution and that there should be an allocation of those funds towards something that grows it so that the money they have starts to earn money. That That is the definition of wealth. When my money works for me and I no longer have to work for money, I have become wealthy. When my lifestyle can be sustained by what my investments have produced or and is producing, I have become wealthy. It's not a number. It's a matching of your lifestyle with the return on your investments. Some people don't want yachts and, and private planes and islands and all that. So their number to achieve wealth is different than the person who wants all that stuff. But whatever lifestyle you plan on living, it has to be supported by every, anything but your own personal efforts and labor. Now, obviously, you're going to be involved in creating these investments and all that stuff. But I'm talking about waking up every day and having to show up to make sure your bills are paid. That's not wealth. And no matter how many figures you get paid, if you got to go earn it, you haven't gotten the wealth. Now, what you do with it when you get paid determines on how fast you achieve the wealth. So, but let's go back to asymmetric risk reward. Uh, I remember when I first became interested in the stock market in the, in the early 90s, I was in my early 20s. 
And I'm like, you know, what's going on with it? And then I got into it and I'm like, okay, I definitely don't want to do, I don't want to be an active trader. I don't want to be a day trader because day trading to me is like gambling in Vegas. You probably are going to win some, but the house always wins. And so you find people that play day trading. They they go up, they're, they're in and out of stock trades in hours. They're moving, they're watching this, they're doing that. You see it a lot also in the Forex market where people are in and out of trades in hours uh, and at the most uh, days. Uh, and you go on that. And so, you, you know, you got passive, active and all that. I am a long-term uh, minded person. I'm looking for things that I can invest in that will hold value or appreciate in value and that can withstand the turbulence of markets. But here's what I first saw that really uh, kind of set things in motion for me that started really teaching me how the market works. And that is, th that was a crisis. I can't remember exactly what happened, but stock prices plummeted and everybody's selling. And they're talking about the sell-off and they're talking about how how how, how everybody's uh, dumping stock. And so my mind is like, who's the dummy buying this stuff? Turns out the person buying the stuff isn't the dummy. That's called a crisis investor. Those are people who wait for the prices to drop before they buy. Uh, Ray Dalio, uh, who is the manager of the largest hedge fund in the world, last I checked, it was $165 billion, and he had cut off. He wasn't taking anymore. Uh, and, you know, obviously he only played with major players. Uh, so I think you had to have three or five billion in assets just to put into uh, this hedge fund. But anyway, Ray Dalio's major player. So Ray Dalio uh, is on record as saying the stock market is the only place where things go on sale and people panic. Um, and, and that's what it is. When stock prices go down. You have to understand that that's temporary, that the market has fluctuated for over 100 years. It goes up and then it, it, it'll stay. And what happens is different things happen and uh, the prices in stocks and the values in stocks start to be inflated, meaning that they are actually. Yep. And it is actually, um, you know, the prices, the prices going down, um, and the companies that have proven themselves over time have proven that they can withstand the volatility of the market. Whatever, and I mean, prices in the market can be affected by so many different things: uh, war in different geographical locations, different geopolitical uh, disruptions and ideology. Who got elected in what country? Uh, what's happening with some kind of pandemic, all these different things. Uh, and obviously the, the basics that you learn in economics, supply and demand, and all these other things can affect stock. But what happens is companies start to have this point where stock prices begin to begin become inflated. Probably the biggest thing we can remember in recent time is Enron. Enron was inflating their, stops, uh, their stock prices falsely by false reporting. Uh, it's kind of interesting because I am the person literally, who Enron hired to repatriate all of their expatriates after the company crashed. So I got to see the devastation of what that looks like when people overweight their investments in their 401ks and so forth based off of false information or just not being smart and diversifying or hedging their investments. 
about people who were, you know, a year or two away from employment, expecting to have million dollar plus nest eggs, broke, zero, gone. And so it's crazy. But what happens with the crisis investor is the crisis investor has done his homework. He knows what stocks are going to recover. And what he or she is doing is watching the prices drop and watching people sell off and buying it at a discount price. Or if it was Walmart, if it was Amazon, if it was Kroger, if it was anywhere else, buying it on sale. That's all that it is. So what I thought was like, man, who's a dummy buying this stock? But here's the thing that I learned, that when you own stock and your stock value starts to drop, you haven't realized a loss yet. The value in your stock has dropped, but you haven't realized the loss. Why? You still hold the stock and the stock still has the potential to recover. You only realize the loss after the stock prices have dropped and you sell. Why? Because you have solidified and finalized the loss. You'll cut your loss, but you, you finalize the loss. Yes, Enron employees, man, I'm uh top, top, I'm telling you, I I I did this for like well over a year, bringing their people back uh from London, uh Balik Papin, Indonesia, Jakarta, Indonesia, Malaysia, uh, I mean uk uh and these people were coming back and the people who were hurt most was the mid-level people like there was one lady she was 60 61 she was a couple of years away from retiring she had worked as an executive uh assistant to one of the vps and she had been his his particular assistant i think like 10 years and she was about to retire and she had everything in Enron stock, way overloaded and uh, in Enron stock. And she was flat broke, having to start from scratch. Now, here's the thing. At 60 plus, you only have a certain set of skills. Nobody really wants to hire you because you don't have a lot. You don't have a high ceiling. Uh, and, and you, you know, you're probably not going to be around too much longer. A whole bunch of other things. It's real hard to get started. Fortunately enough, I was able to show her some ways to create her own way, create her own path. And she was able to do some things in business that opened up some doors using it. And I think it was more like in consulting and coaching and things of that nature, ultimately. But uh, and it was just that I felt bad. It wasn't my job to do that for her. But like she was crying. I mean, like literally like just devastated. And she wasn't the only one. So it's it, it that taught me big time diversify. I don't care how good something looks. Do not jump all in on it. And that's the same thing that gets you in Vegas. You're on a roll. You're on a roll. You can't lose. To go all in. Dumb. I watch cats playing poker now. All in. Dumb. Systematically build and learn and diversify and hedge. Because this is what happens when those crisis investors do that. That stuff goes down, it goes on sale, they buy it, and what it appreciates. There, as soon as the market turns around, which is normally six months to 18 months, it turns around. And the longer it takes the market to turn around, the more powerfully it rebounds. So, say for instance, you have a major hit, a major crash, and it takes a year or two for it to come back. The longer it takes, the more the stock prices rebound. I've seen situations where stock actually rebounded and actually appreciated in value over the initial value held before the crisis. 
So in essence, it's about sitting up and knowing how to do your homework, knowing how to read financials, knowing how to read historical performances of, of, of companies and buying in. That's why, again, though, I love passively managed mutual funds like an index fund. Why? It's giving you the top 500 performing companies all bundled up. So you get to buy a piece of ownership in the top performing companies that are the now. And here's the beautiful thing. The, 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 the bottom 100 change constantly as they as, as as they either lose performance or another company starts to outperform them. But, you know, those major top 250 solid all the way through. Those are the ones you start doing your research on to find out which ones are the best move for you. And you can use a bunch of different variables and um, and. Uh, you know, things that will allow you to choose which ones you want to get involved in on an individual basis. And one of the things that I did is I looked at anywhere I tend to spend my money. I want to own things. I like sneakers. So I got into Nike. I have a lot of tech stuff going on uh, computer wise. And even though I am a Microsoft Windows person, uh, I, I do iPhone and everything else, Apple. And so I invested in Apple. And all down the line, but it has to make sense. It's not just, I like you and I spend money. No, I'm like, long term, what does this look like? And, uh, you know, what's going on with this? What's going on with that? And here's the thing. I love my people. I do. Uh, I really do. I love my people. I do. But our spending patterns and our spending habits are reflective of our place in last place on the socioeconomic ladder. It is reflective of the fact that the wealth gap is widening and people are capitalizing on it. And so my thing is, look, and it's just a small reflection of a, a much larger audience, but blacks alone on an annual basis, spend $2 billion on Jordans. That's just one subsector of Nike's massive uh, lock on athletic footwear, especially basketball shoes. It's it's a lot. You know, Under Armour's got a little part of the mar market. Adidas trying to hang on by a, a thread. That, 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 that big issue that they had with Kanye, whatever side of the argument you own, hit Nike, uh, hit Adidas hard. Uh, Puma's got their own little thing in casual shoes and maybe in tennis and track and field. Uh, and then you got all the other stuff, but just basketball shoes and, and, you know, and they, they, they're trying to hit running, running shoes, but they make horrible running shoes. Um, uh, but they, 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 they are standing solid and they have a hard market. So that, that alone says, okay, I'm buying into Nike. That's why I got into Nike. It's like, my people alone are going to make sure I make money out of Nike. And people are watching it. Everything that you do is studied. And the thing is, we need to start studying as well. We need to start studying on um, how the market moves, what drives the market. We need to start definitely understanding uh, fiat currency, what it meant to move from the gold standard. Um, the Gold Confiscation Act, the creation of the Federal Reserve and what that meant, uh, what it means to be operating under a debt-based economy, 
All of these different things are things we need to learn if we're going to master it. When I wrote uh, The War on Black Wealth, which is my 25th book, I identified all the different mechanisms that tend to hang us up and what we need to do to overcome it. When I created the Path to Generational Wealth course, I tapped everything. That thing, I'm telling you, if you master 20% of what's in that course, your life will change. We are going to, and the reason I, I got into AI is because we're going to have to have at some point something we get ahead of the curve on. And so I've been really, really pushing that. Get ahead of the curve because this thing is going somewhere and you're not going to stop it. Uh, it is the internet on steroids, social media on steroids. And I don't mean it's the same thing. I mean, in growth, the internet took off. Social media has taken off in a massive way and it's still exploding and expanding. And AI is running circles around it at rate of growth. It's going to have an impact. There's going to be things. Goldman Sachs is predicting that 300 million jobs will be either replaced or eliminated by AI. And guess what? The truth of the matter is it's not AI that's actually replacing. It's the people who know how to use AI. It's the people who master AI. It's the people who do that. That's why I created that course uh, is because there are things you could be doing right now that can help you grow a business. If you got one, help you launch a business. If you don't help you automate systems that will uh, allow you to expand your reach help you analyze market data, help you analyze customer intel, help you create marketing strategies, help you create engagement strategies. Uh, the importance, I tell people all the time, customer acquisition in business is extremely important. It is. That's not where your business develops longevity and staying power. It's not in customer acquisition. It's in customer relationship. It is building customer relationship, customer loyalty, customer engagements that even if you have something that's high value, say, for instance, a car, customers are buying a car every day. But if every time they are getting ready to buy a car, they come to you. That's longevity, because every so often you're going to get a boost of income from that one person because they only shop with you. Uh, but more importantly, when they're loyal to you, they bring other people to you. So even when your ad advertising budget isn't pushing or creating the conversion rates that you want, when you have a relationship with your clientele, it'll get you through very tough times. It'll also allow you to land when you're having a rough time and it's just a bad economy and everybody's going through it. It will give you a place to land. So all of these things, AI will help you with. And I put it into the course. I'm trying to get people to understand it. Also, being ahead of the game makes you experts in the game. If you start training on AI now in a couple of years from now, you put in enough time, you ought to be close to being an expert at some area in it. And now you can operate as a consultant. So I offer a certification in it. Why? Because people are going to need you to help you implement projects, help you uh, help them um, integrate it into their marketing, integrate it into their content procurement, integrate it into everything. There is literally almost nothing you can't get AI to do. The problem is with most people, they, un they don't understand the prompt mechanism. AI is all about prompts right now. 
Are you asking the right questions? Are you making the right demands? Are you specific enough in it that it understands what you're doing? What I love about AI is that it's AI. It's not an algorithm. An algorithm is a program. You program it and it responds based off the program. AI literally learns. So for instance, when I first start working with AI, I would have to tell it something two or three times to get it exactly how I want it. And then it learned me. Then it learned, I can ask it things that are sort of unique to the way I talk. And it knows what I want because I've gotten it to that point. And so it can be very, very personalized. It can also allow you again to amp up the amount of engagement you're able to create so that you can increase the rate at which your business is growing and so many other things. So again, I really and truly hope people take advantage of that as well. I don't have the link in the box. Uh, I just thought about that because we have a problem that we need to address. And that's how we are allocating our money, how we're allocating our energy. The fact that we are always behind the eight ball and the curve uh, when it comes to things that are happening and we normally get handled because it's the people who know how to do things that mishandle the people who don't. So we need plans, we need agendas, we need strategies, we need structure, we need to be moving, we can't sit around. They are not, the wealth gap isn't going to be closed, but let me, so let me make this clear. The wealth gap is not going to be closed by them saying, hey, look, man, we, we, we got a lot of this the wrong way. And it was on the backs of your ancestors. And a lot of you suffered in person through some of the discriminatory practices that are still a part of policy and, and, uh, and statutes. So we're going to give you this. Do we, should we be uh, in some way demanding reparations? Absolutely. That's something that was earned. Uh, that's something that's old. Just because the people whose back that it was built on has this, has uh, passed away doesn't mean that the debt isn't still old. The debt is still valid. And so we have a right to demand that. But we can't sit around waiting on that to happen because here's the thing. We won't get it because if we were going to get it, we'd have got it. The Native Americans got it. The Japanese Americans got it. Um, the Jews got it. Everybody has gotten money for being mishandled. And we went through the most atrocious of all. And there has not been a penny for that particular thing given out. And there are reasons behind it I won't get into. So it's obvious that voluntarily it's not coming. So then how do we get what's owed to us. We have to actually start building ourselves. We have to actually start being responsible for our financial uh, reality. We have to understand that nobody's going to hand us anything. It's because number one, when you really mishandle somebody the way that we've been mishandled, you're afraid that if they get footing, what are they going to do to you? That's one of the things that the court, another thing is greed. Another thing is simply put the wealthy elite don't want to share and we pose a problem so we've always been a group of people to keep at bay we'll let everybody else find a way in we'll give everybody else a little little play but we're not giving you an inch if we give an inch we're gonna find a way to take a mile and what we have to understand is we can't expect those who oppose us to solve our problems and we've been doing that for years we've been putting uh politicians in office republican or de democrat 
doesn't matter. They screw us two different ways, but the left wing and the right wing belong to the same bird. And I've been telling people this for years. That same bird has been shitting on the head of black folks for 400 years since 29. I mean, since 1619 and beyond. So then what do we do? We start unifying in the way we manage our money. We start unifying in the way that we manage um, and engage our spending. And it's our responsibility. Um, a bunch of alerts coming in at one time, but uh, the way we uh, way we interact with one another, the way we support black businesses. But it's not just in supporting black businesses. We need to invest and build black businesses and we need to build them in a vertical uh, sphere. Vertical economics is something that the average black doesn't understand but most groups operate in consistently vertical economics is the the developing and the building of uh a particular business within an industry from retail to distribution to manufacturing meaning that we own manufacturing we own distribution we own uh retail and why is that important because anything that you dominate spending in beauty supply a $15 billion business of which 14.4 billion come out of the hands of blacks. 96% of that 15 billion is black dollars. Uh, we own less than 3% of businesses in the beauty supply industry. Uh, seafood, seafood, we spend $9 to every $1 white people spend on seafood. Uh, and I can go on in other areas, but those are places that we should be dominating ownership, uh, dominating asset, uh holdings in areas in in that situation but here's what happens when you don't have it on a vertical sphere uh we've tried to get in on the retail level of beauty supply what happens because we don't own manufacturing you know we don't own distribution we can't control pricing so what happens what uh the asian is getting from their distributor uh by way of a manufacturer for 99 cents a unit we're paying $2.99 a unit. We can't compete in price. And we understand that our people have no problem shopping with them already. So when we can't beat the price, our people will look at us as like we're trying to get over on them, although our overhead and our cost is higher. They don't look at the responsibility of supporting black businesses so that we can grow, so that we can uh, take on distribution, so that we can get manufacturing, so that we can ultimately lower the price and dominate a market and create jobs, create revenue for residential development to fight off gentrification. All of these things are tied in together and we're losing on all these uh, fronts because we don't understand how things work. We will invest in Louis Vuitton by way of uh, consumerism, but we won't invest in building anything of our own consistently. Um, we'll trust the people who are screwing us and literally critique the hell out of our own. And this is a problem that we are going to actually have to deal with. So when I created these series, especially Money Monday and Wealth Building Wednesday, it was with the purpose of educating our people in a way that says there's more to this than working three jobs and buying some extra stuff, going on some extra trips 
and ending up at the end of your life with nothing to pass down, uh, nothing to rest on and hoping that you don't outlive your 401k. Here's another thing about 401k, $17 billion a year in fees. $17 billion in fees in the U.S. in 401ks. They fear in the hell out of us. And another thing that I learned from the people that I interviewed to, to, to do the path to generational wealth course, that the one thing they're always aware of in any investment is what the investment will cost them in fees and what else? Taxes. And we don't have that awareness. We are just out there and we are buying into whatever they're telling us and we trust whatever they're telling us because they are the experts. We need to develop a level of expertise and understanding. We need to empower a number of our black uh, brothers and sisters to become experts in this industry, to be leaders, to be influencers, uh, to be assets, consultants, and whatever else to help others grow. And it needs to be passed on. This is systematic. This is the way it has to be done. It cannot be done depending on our op opposing force or enemy to fix our problem they created for their benefit. It, that's not how it's going to work. So again, I'm challenging every last one of you, sit down and decide what you're going to do to make the life that you're living better without killing yourself and also passing down the legacy of wealth to the next generation. And we're gonna talk next week about trust how trusts are used to protect wealth as well as successfully pass it down to multiple generations. And we're going to talk about that next week. But again, today, if you sign up for the seven day online business launch course, which again is the blueprint I've used for the last 13 plus years to build online revenue streams, businesses, companies, opportunities, and everything else in between online. Uh, sign up for that and you will get the 18-month Path to Gen Generational Wealth course, which is a $2,600 course, absolutely free. Have to sign up today. On that note, look, I'm out here. I want to thank you guys for dropping in on me. Uh, if you know somebody that can benefit from this, pass it on to them. If you haven't hit uh, the like button, hit the like button. If you have haven't hit the share button, hit the share button. If you have not subscribed, and this is one of my platforms you can subscribe on because I am streaming to multiple platforms, please hit the subscribe button. On that note, I am out of here. You guys, as I always say, I live my life on full so that when I leave this place, I die on E. So I challenge you to do the same thing.